Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. Yep, in the bullpen today, we have Miss Amber Athey, Washington editor at The Spectator and co-host of O'Connor and Company on WMAL. Amber, good to have you on the show, how are you? I'm doing great, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely, we're gonna chop it up about vaccine protocols, school mask mandates, etc. I don't want to presume what you know or believe about these items. So if you would, give us your sentiment. Sure, well, I am very against vaccine mandates. I actually support most people getting the vaccine. I've received the vaccine myself. I got the first dose of the Johnson & Johnson. However, I think the mandates are misguided because as we've learned, as we have uncovered more about the efficacy of the vaccines, the vaccines don't prevent you from getting or transmitting COVID. Really what they do is they prevent people from developing these severe side effects and they lower the risk of death. So in that way, the vaccines are really about a personal choice in regards to your own health and less about how they affect the other people around you. Because again, you can still transmit the virus to other people even after vaccinated. And when we see the way that the goalposts have been moving on the vaccines as well, I understand people's skepticism towards them. It started out as you had to get your two doses if you had Pfizer or Moderna and your one dose if you had the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. And now we're at the point where people are talking about getting their fourth shot, a fourth booster shot. So I question if the mandates are going to be keeping up with the booster shots or if you're okay with just having two. And at what point are you still considered fully vaccinated? Okay, so let me ask you this, because you did say that it does in fact lower the risk of death, which is true, that's based on the observation of science. And it also can lessen the symptoms, another true statement based on the observation of science. When you say that you are against the mandates, obviously you're not against the vaccine, but you are against the mandate, which is a protocol. And typically a governmental protocol, even though some private industry has engaged in this as well. What is your reason for being against the mandate? Is it a civil liberty issue or just an issue as it relates to COVID vaccine mandates? Sure, I think this is specific to the COVID vaccine because the way that this vaccine works, it doesn't prevent people around you from getting COVID and it doesn't prevent you from getting infected. So usually when we talk about vaccines and mandates, it's to protect the people around us. And that's why we have these certain vaccine mandates for children who do, who go into public schools. They have to get vaccinated against a number of serious illnesses. And that's how we've eradicated a lot of those illnesses. In the case of COVID, the vaccine is primarily for your personal protection. And we haven't seen much evidence as of yet that the vaccine really prevents transmission to other people around you. Um, so it is very specific to the COVID vaccine, um, but it also is a question of personal medical choice. And I think people who are young and healthy and don't have very the comorbidities that we would usually see that would cause people to have severe reactions to COVID should be able to make the choice okay. that they don't want to get the vaccine, but don't have to choose between that and their job. You know, I'm glad you made a distinction here because many people fall into the trap of calling the COVID-19 vaccine a mandate and that it is a violation of civil liberty. Well, 100% of K through 12 education, they have had vaccine mandates on the books for decades. The majority of college campuses, you must have a vaccine protocol. You have to present that and say, hey, I got my shots. 
in order to go to college on this campus. And naturally, the US military, and the list goes on and on, healthcare professionals, etc. So it can't be a civil liberties issue. And I understand your point of view about COVID being a very different, the COVID vaccine being, being a very different thing. But the virus itself is a very different thing as well. Is it because of the research or, or the um, lack of research that some would say, is that the reason why there's this level of hesitation with having some level of protocol for a COVID vaccine and not having that same level of protocol for some of the other accepted vaccinations that are already in play? I do think that's definitely part of it. And I would never fault anybody for looking at the evidence available and saying we simply don't know enough yet about this vaccine. It has only really been tested for about a year and a half and on children for an even shorter period of time. And one of um, a concern of myself and fellow young women is the effect that it could potentially have on our future fertility. And unfortunately, it's it's not that we are conspiracy theorists or we, we think that this vaccine is actively killing women and their ability to get pregnant, but we simply don't know because there hasn't been large scale testing on women who are pregnant or on women who have received the vaccine and then go on to try to get pregnant in the future. So that's one of many, I think, valid concerns that people might have about this vaccine simply because of the fact that it is so new. And we're learning more and more. I mean, when the first vaccine was first being pushed at the end of the Trump administration and into the beginning of the Biden administration, people were told that the vaccine would actually prevent them from contracting COVID at all. We later learned that it really just reduces your symptoms and your um, potential to die from COVID. And now we're also learning that the vaccines don't last as long as we thought they did. It turns out you're only protected for a period of about six months before you have to start getting those booster shots, particularly if you're in a high risk category. So I think all of the changes, even in just the past year, and even just since the vaccines have been approved by the FDA, mm-hmm. have led people to be a little bit skeptical because even the scientists don't really seem to have all of the data available yet. That's quite interesting. So let's talk about the study of the vaccine. I know I know people continue to say, well, we've only studied this vaccine for one year. That's not true. That's not true based on the scientific nature of what's in the vaccine. For lack of a better word, the ingredients of the vaccine have been studied for 22 years and actually utilized unsuccessfully in other clinical trials to treat other viruses, HIV AIDS being one of them. So this has been around for a long time and you had a world emphasis on this particular vaccine because of the pandemic, the nature of the pandemic. You had more money thrown at this than ever before for any singular issue in the medical profession. You've had more emphasis placed on it, more clinical trials done in a shorter period of time than any other era in human existence. So you can't say it hasn't been studied. Now, is it? Is information still forthcoming? Of course, that's what science is. Science is the observation of the field. That's what science has always been. But let me ask you about uh, the issue of um, schools and their uh, particular mandates, right? So there's not there, there's only a handful of school systems that are saying they will start mandating um, COVID vaccines moving forward. All right, and and as a matter of fact, I don't think any have done it yet. They're saying once it gets to a certain place next year, they may move in that direction. But we do have mask mandates already as protocols in a lot of school districts across the country. Do you have an issue with the mandate of the mask? I do have an issue with the mandate of the mask. 
um, because children, as we know, are not big spreaders of COVID. They're actually the least likely to um, provide high transmission rates. They also don't really get sick themselves. Children account for just 0.26% of COVID deaths nationwide. And children who get sick with COVID-19 only have a death rate of between zero and 0.03%. So when we're talking about protecting children, um, what is actually a bigger concern to me because the death rate is so low among children is the fact that their social development could be stunted by these masks. And I've spoken to child psychologists about this. Dr. Dr. Jennifer Reisman, who is in Montgomery County, Maryland, deals with child psychology. And she has said that when she's working with her clients, she has noticed that a lot of children have developed anxiety um, when looking at people's faces because they've been wearing masks um, outside of their homes for so long. And she also said that there's probably going to be long-term consequences for children because they haven't gotten used to seeing strangers' faces or even communicating effectively. And particularly for nonverbal children or children who are hard of hearing, this is another additional hurdle for them. And so I don't think that the benefits of wearing masks, which are really very minimal, um, outweigh the the potential harm to children. You know, all right, so I'm gonna challenge you on one of your data sets when you said children are not spreaders of COVID. That's untrue based on the data. The data shows that children can be super spreaders to their families because the ecosystem of their existence is beyond that of a school system. It also connects back to mom, dad, grandmother, their grandfather, and their general peer group. So they can be super spreaders. And in some regions in the United States, up to 18% of their citywide COVID-19 outbreaks can be traced back to a person 18 years of age and under. So that's not true based on the observable data that we have. The second part is when we talk about mask mandates, I find it really interesting that in school systems, we allow school boards, which is the administrative arm of the school system to enact what's called administrative law. They have this ability under their constitutional authority inside of that state. So we're saying that These school boards and these school systems, madam, they have the ability, the right, the authority to enforce vaccine mandates that you already agree with. You agree with this, these mandates. They have the authority to enforce common sense attire. It's called a dress code. They have the authority to enforce administrative law. But all of a sudden, when it comes to being in the middle of a pandemic, you're saying that you disagree with these mandates. Do you disagree with the school board's authority to have this kind of operational leverage over those they have responsibility for? Sure, and let me just start with the first part because I do wanna make one correction. I did not say that children can't spread the virus, but they do spread it at a a lower rate than adults do because they have a lower viral load. So that's what I meant by that statement. But to your question about school birds, of course they have the authority to enact all kinds of policies in their schools. And I actually appreciate that school boards can enact policies on a local level as opposed to the type of federal mandate that the Biden administration is trying to implement through an OSHA regulation. Um, So school boards do have that authority, but I think it's up to parents and local citizens to oppose that mandate if, if they do by either Um, electing new people to the school board or showing up at meetings uh, as they are all across Virginia right now ahead of the election and making their voices heard. And that's actually a much more effective way for these mandates um, to be challenged or to be implemented is to do it on the local level based on um, people's decisions in their own communities. And so I do support their authority. Yeah, I, I, 
I respect that you said that. Now, obviously, you don't agree with anybody threatening to kill or run them off the road, any of that madness that has been spouted by not. some. Right. So you don't you don't appreciate nor respect that. Now, let's go back to OSHA. You brought up OSHA. Um, this is a temporary COVID-19 protocol. People are calling it a mandate, but the Biden executive order is not a mandate. Now, I can make an argument that a mandate can be justified, but it's not a mandate, at least in its current executive order form. It's literally a protocol that says if you have 100 employees working for you, there has to be a protocol for COVID-19. And that protocol is this, either A, you get the COVID-19 vaccination, or B, you don't get it. And you have to be subject to a test once every seven days based on the ETS, which is the emergency temporary standard of OSHA. And OSHA derives this authority from Article 1 of the US Constitution, which is basically your Section 8 Commerce Clause. So when we say it's a mandate, why don't we call it what it is, Amber? It's an actual protocol. And that protocol provides an allowance for non-vaccinated individuals to be tested. It still allows for religious exemption to be applied. So why are we still calling it a mandate from the White House? Well, I think that it is effectively a mandate if you provide an undue burden on people who choose not to get vaccinated. And unfortunately, a lot of businesses are reading this as a mandate because they don't wanna deal with having to um, have these people getting tested all the time and constantly checking that. And so you are seeing a lot of people lose their jobs across the country. And I do find it rather ironic that the same crowd that talks about nurses and doctors as being heroes at the beginning of the pandemic is now cheering on their firing because they don't want to get the vaccine. And there are vast healthcare worker shortages across the country. Most recently in New York, I believe they actually have a um, a shortage of firefighters now in New York City because <laughs> about 30% of them don't want to get the vaccine. And instead they are either being put on leave or fired because of that. So I think it's really unfortunate that we are now punishing the very people who were saving lives for a year or longer working 12 hour shifts nonstop during the pandemic. And I would think that healthcare professionals, by the way, are perfectly capable of making their own medical decisions considering they work in the field. You know, I do find it quite interesting that you said that. So let me correct you on the numbers. It's 18% in New York, okay? You had mm -hmm. 2,000 firefighters, they called out, they're playing that they're sick, according to the chief of the New York City Fire Department. And you have about 11,000 who work there, roughly 11,000. The vast majority of New York firefighters, they got the vaccination. Um, and a judge has ruled that the city does have the ability, the right and authority to implement such a protocol. And let's go to healthcare workers, right? You're right, healthcare workers are to be championed, they are. That's why over 90% of the field, they're okay with the vaccination mandate, over 90%. You know why over 90% of the field of healthcare workers are for, are okay with? a mandate in their hospital or whatever healthcare facility they work at because they signed up for the right reason. They wanted to do no harm. They wanted to help others. They wanted to make sure that they engaged in safe and healthy practices. And here's the other part that we haven't discussed, herd immunity. You've heard scientists talk about this, that in order for us to overcome the pandemic so it doesn't become endemic, right, is herd immunity. Well, America cannot create herd immunity. 
So even if you get 100% of Americans vaccinated because we live in a global context, you still won't reach herd immunity. But you will never reach herd immunity without America. And that's the sentiment that I think we lose in the conversation about how to overcome this pandemic. Remember, the things that we take vaccines for routinely, many of them were pandemics. They were global in nature. And we now have herd immunity in the United States of America from, from much of it, but that's because of the spread, right? And the general immunity that people receive. If you don't get to that point, we will be fighting this same issue on different levels every single cycle. So I, I, there's some science here that we have to agree with because of the nature of viruses. Do you not agree? I completely agree with the concept of herd immunity. And that's why I think it is actually especially important that people who do have healthy immune systems and feel comfortable fighting off COVID are able to opt out of the vaccine because we have seen from preliminary studies that natural immunity is actually even stronger against the virus than the vaccine. And so if someone feels comfortable, if they're young and healthy and they feel like they can take their chances with the virus, I think they should be allowed to do that because it, then they have greater protection down the line. Of course, if you're someone with comorbidities, if you're in an, an older age group, or if you are significantly overweight, then absolutely you should get the vaccine. But it is very reasonable to me that those people have different health outcomes, they have different comorbidities, and they should be able to make a different decision about the vaccine. You know, I wish I had a little more time with you. I do find you to be brilliant. And I'm glad that you are making the points you're making for your side. Because you're not saying some of the common things that I hear. Some of the stuff is common, but you are making some common sense analogy about school boards having the authority. You don't think it's a civil liberty issue. Let me ask you quickly before we run out of time. Private businesses, that has been part of the conversation as well. Private businesses that say, uh, no mask, no service. Traditionally, conservatives have always said companies have the right to enforce these common sense rules in their workplace. No shoes, no shirt, no service. Now it's no shoes, no shirt, no mask, no service. Do you have an issue with the protocol of private companies being able to enforce these rules in their establishment? I've always been on the side of businesses for the most part, um, barring anti-discrimination laws, being able to choose who they serve in their establishments. And I am mm -hmm. consistent on this issue. And I don't think it would be hypocritical, however, for a conservative to say, um, I understand that the business has the right to do that, but I think what they're doing is wrong. Um, and that's the most common tack that I see conservatives taking on that issue. Yeah, and I do think it's hypocritical on policy, but maybe not belief. Maybe you say, you know, I know what the policy is. I agree with the policy, but I have a different belief as it relates to that policy. I still right. think it's hypocritical, but you're not making a policy argument. You're making a personal values argument then. I appreciate you being on the show, Ms. Amber. Great debate. Thank you so much.